Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this 11th of October, 2023. I know that you have, um, you know, you have a whole, you have a whole litany of things uh, ahead of you to do today. You have a list. I know. I have a list. We have a calendar. I have a calendar. Um, you have a, I, I got a whole list of things that didn't get done yesterday. So now I got to migrate yesterday's list of to-dos over today's list of to-dos. Maybe you've got uh, that going on in your life as well. Maybe it's fall break. Maybe it's time for harvest. Maybe it's time for fall planting. I get all of that. Maybe you're headed out for, I don't know, a hunt of some kind. It's hunting season. It's also football season. I totally understand all of that. I can also say this. The eyes of the world are on Israel. The eyes of the world are on Israel. So it's day five. It's the way I'm going to think about it. Since Hamas invaded Israel on Saturday, and they're really, um, any, any other way that you might hear this described, um, this is a, an invasion by uh, terrorists on, on a sovereign country and um, the massacre of its civilian population. So since Hamas invaded Israel on Saturday, more than a thousand Israelis um, and yes, since then, 900 uh, Palestinians, most in Gaza, um, have died. Thousands more have been injured. And let me just go ahead and tell you, those numbers are going to rise. This is a war, um, and it is not, and it will not be brief. Israel has launched rockets uh, in response. They have cut power. They have su- uh, cut supplies to Gaza. It is a siege. It's a, it's a siege approach to war. Um, Israel has also called up a record 300,000 reserve troops. Remember that uh, everyone, um, once they reach the age of maturity, everyone, men and women, when they each reach the age of maturity, they um, become a part of the Israeli Defense Force. They become soldiers. And uh, if you've ever been to Israel, you have seen them. Uh, and 300,000 reserve troops have now been called up. A ground invasion of Gaza is expected. Israel has amassed 100,000 troops along the 40-mile border at the Gaza Strip, but there are also um, many tens of thousands of Israeli troops being deployed in all directions because Israel has enemies on every front. Uh, There is also uh, work underway, not only by Israeli special forces, but others around the world to rescue hostages, at least 14 of whom are American citizens. Hamas is threatening to execute um, the hostages that it took somewhere in the neighborhood of 150, but that number is really hard to verify. There are at least 50 members of the Israeli Defense Force members of the military that are a part of that number. That we know 
um, is an accurate number. The other numbers are really hard to tell. How do you how do you judge um, who um, who might be a hostage until uh, until those people are um, revealed by those who took them? Yesterday, Israel shot what we would call retaliatory fire in the direction of Syria um, after uh, a probably Hezbollah-related faction um, fired rockets at Israel from the north. Um, Fighting has also escalated along the Israeli-Lebanon border after uh, Islamic, Islamic jihadists carried out a series of small attacks there. And so you may be asking, well, what is the U.S. response? Um, In an address yesterday, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, reiterated the U.S. support for Israel, confirmed that, uh, again, at least 14 Americans not only killed, but nearly two dozen remain missing, 14 of those now known to be um, known to be hostages. Um, And even though you're going to hear all kinds of criticism, um, you know, in reality, we are responding as uh, as the United States. And in fact, uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who is Jewish, um, is headed to Israel today um, and he will have meetings um, tomorrow. That is a trip of solidarity and support. Um, we have also surged military assets uh, in that direction in the Mediterranean. So um, but it's complicated it's complicated. Across America and around the world, there have been vigils both of support and in protest. There have been those, um, you know, standing up in solidarity for Israel, condemning Hamas, and there have been others who um, are pro-Palestinian. And um, it's, it, there is a very anti-Semitic spirit that uh, the, the, the flame of which is being fanned in the midst of all of this. Um, you will hear some calling for uh, an end to American support for Israel. Um, so Christians in the midst of all of this, um, you know, we're people of light. We're people of the word. We're people of truth. We're people of sober judgment. We don't turn away. We lean in. We offer um, support and aid. We grieve with those who grieve. Um, and, um, yeah, and we pray. We pray. I just... Um, Maybe lift up John chapter 16 in the words of Jesus in all of this. You have sorrow now, but he says, I'm going to see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And in that day, um, you will ask nothing of me. I say to you, whatever you ask now in the name, in my name, the father will give it to you. Um, I want you to have peace in me. You have peace in the world. You're going to have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Um, So in the end. There is Jesus. Our friend Heather Zeiger is going to join us next. We are going to survey some of the science headlines of the day, because even though all eyes are on Israel, you know, there's just a lot going on in the cosmos. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Heather Zeiger is here to help us understand whether or not our plants are listening to us and whether or not they have something to say. Heather, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. <laughs> I really hope my plants aren't listening to me. <laughs> I um so I I am I am totally intrigued by this conversation about whether or not plants are cognitive intelligent organisms. So what what yeah. what is this conversation all about? Yeah, so I mean just this is pause. Not all people are cognitive intelligent <laughs> organisms. I mean, I'm just like I'm reading this and I'm like 
Okay, but but then I also recognize like in in all kinds of fantasy writing, trees like you know they're talking to each other. They yeah. got plans. They uh, they're doing stuff. They're you know they're they live for hundreds of years. So you know they outlast us. I mean sometimes they're just waiting us out. I mean I'm just saying like right we our imaginations it, it is not it is not a far trip down the imagination highway to understand what's being talked about here. But it's scientists talking about cognitive intelligent plants. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's plants are amazing things. First of all, trees are amazing things. So there's this trend among like some ecologists and botanists that propose that plants have this ability to feel and think that is similar to humans. So they look at studies like, um, I think they've set up like a sound type thing to measure uh, what they interpret as a cry for help from plants when they want water. So some sort of signal that the plants provide that they interpret as a cry for help. Um, they've looked at other things where they say plants, you know, can affect their surroundings. They can even affect people. This is a worldview called panpsychism. So this believes, this worldview kind of believes that everything has some sort of consciousness. So plants, trees, um, you take it to this logical end. The earth itself may have a consciousness. Um, the universe has a consciousness. So this is a worldview that says human beings and everything else has consciousness. We just have more or less, right, compared to other things. So Darwinian evolutionists often will, they will critique this worldview saying, hey, you shouldn't anthropomorphize plants like this. Anthropomorphize means give, giving them human qualities when you don't have the evidence that they are human-like. So they say you shouldn't. Panpsychists uh, critique Darwinism saying, hey, you guys are materialists. You can't explain consciousness or the mind. And I would say that both have valid points. Um, both views are flawed in similar ways, though, Carmen, because they both are trying to place human beings as part of creation and ignoring the aspects of human beings that makes them unique. So Darwinists, you know, they'll bring human beings down to the level of plants and animals. We're just, um, you know, part of the part of the animal system. While panpsychists want to say everything has a spark of the divine, um, as if as if uh, all objects in the universe are divine. So what they both deny is that human beings could be fundamentally different because we are made in the image of God. So that's that's where that's that's where this is. These two tensions are held here, and um, I think actually a good science would recognize how amazing plants are, and study plants as plants without trying to um, put you know some sort of spark of divine on them. And then I want to bring you know the the reality that. Um, in the Bible, we recognize that all creation groans with eager longing for man's redemption. We recognize that the day will come when the mountains and the hills are going to burst forth into song and all the trees of the field are going to clap their hands, um, that the rivers will clap their hands and the hills will sing for joy together. I mean, that's Isaiah 55, that's Psalm 98. Like, we do recognize that all creation and every part of it has a living relationship with the Creator, but this idea mm -hmm. that there is a consciousness um, uh, in in nature, in nat in in parts of nature that are not human, maybe this is one way that this is you know like there's this I, I, this is a migration 
in the direction of making sure that rivers have rights, like, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. seeing rivers as people or seeing. And so I just think that it's important for us to sort of find our bearings as Christians in these conversations. And that's what you're so good at in terms of, um, you know, helping us think ethically and um, and with a with a mind that is um, tuned to who God is and what God has said and not just what the latest most avant-garde um, ideas among the scientific community brings forward. Yeah, and I think, Carmen, the important thing is to remember that we are stewards of creation. So creation has all of these capabilities, these characteristics of, um, of in a sense, reflecting um, our creator. So we're stewards of creation because of who that creator is, not because creation itself has some sort of divinity that we um, have to worship or uh, respect as if it has rights like a human being. Yeah, I think that's a really, um, really helpful distinction. Um, all right, we're um, we're going to jump into a conversation about um, genes. So I want you, not the genes that I'm wearing, but the genes that constitute like who I am. So remind us, what are genes, G-E-N-E, what are genes, and, and then like what are gene therapies? Um, because I think that this is a, really interesting conversation right on the forefront of, um, you know, how human beings are actually engaging with the the human design. Sure. So your genes are your genetic code. So that's the collection of your genetic codes. So your A, T, C, and G, your DNA. And those genes dictate a lot of things about about you. So it's your genes aren't everything, right? Some of it is about how those genes fit together or there's many different issues, but your genetic code does say a lot about like, oh, I don't know your hair color or your eye color, or, you know, when you see children that look just like their parents, I I look a lot like my mom. That's because of genetics, right? So those are your genes. So gene therapies are things that are trying to fix problems in your genetics. And I'm not talking about physiological problems because those tend to be lots of different places in your genetic code. I'm talking about diseases where there is a mutation, usually just one or two little DNA letters that are mutated that cause a debilitating disease. Now, not all mutations cause a disease. It has to be in a certain place in your genetic code. And then you have something that is uh, a... a a genetic-based disease. And those usually, you see those happen very early in life. Uh, It usually affects children, and oftentimes they are fatal. And so um, when we talk about gene therapies for rare diseases being under threat, what what are we talking Mm -hmm. about? Yeah, so this is so this is one of the problems with rare diseases is that you don't have a very big market for sales once you spend the millions or even billions of dollars developing the gene therapy. So the developing gene therapies are hugely expensive and you have very few people that you can test them on to to develop them and you have very few people that will end up buying them. So this is a it's one of these things where this is a case where even even in the best situation and the morally guided capitalistic model, which is great for like incentivizing innovations and many other things, it does not work well in this case, at least, at least as practiced in the pharmaceutical industry, because you just have a small group of people, usually children, whose life depends on these therapies, 
And even if you do things like increase the price to hundreds of thousands of dollars, there are some gene therapies that are like a million dollars, uh, upwards of a million dollars, it still doesn't turn a profit. They still lose money. And so pharmaceutical companies are not incentivized to continue to produce these gene therapies. Um, one example that uh, was in a, a Nature article recently is a one of the first gene therapies that were approved in Europe. I think it's called Stromvelis. Mm -hmm. And it's a gene therapy for a rare immune disorder that's similar to skits or bubble boy disease. So it's a very devastating disease. Well, this was a highly successful gene therapy. Um, you know, as close to a cure as you can get. These children are able to lead a much more normal life. They are able to have a longer life. Um, GlaxoSmithKline uh, sold the drug. So, it, so researchers develop these drugs, but in order to produce it, it's produced by a drug company, a for-profit drug company. So GlaxoSmithKline had to sell the drug to another drug company. I think it was like Orchid or something. And four years after Orchid bought it, they had to stop producing it because it just wasn't profitable. So you have a drug that essentially can, as close to a cure as, as can you can do, for this very rare disease, but because so few people buy it, like the company has no incentive to continue producing it. And this had, this has been the case for a couple of other rare diseases, gene therapies for rare diseases. Um, and, you know, companies talk about in the pharmaceutical industry, they talk about diseases of commercial interest and rare diseases are not diseases of commercial interest. Diseases of commercial interest are things like cholesterol, blood pressure, depression, things where a large number of people uh, you know, you can make a lot of money if you come up with a new cholesterol drug, you know, mm -hmm. but you're not yeah. going to make a lot of money if you come up with a drug or a gene therapy for rare diseases. All right. So um, that's, that's gonna... the big problem with that. No, it's huge. Yeah. So we're going to um, continue talking about um, things that can be genetically modified. And we're going to expand the conversation to actually something that kills half a million people every year. So that would be malaria. So can genetically modified mosquitoes end malaria. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Wow, you're asking really good questions um, this morning. So thank you so much for your engagement on the text line. Again, you can uh, text in your thoughts, your prayer requests, your observations, uh, 877-933-2484. We're talking with Heather Zeiger. She is an ethicist. She is a freelance science writer. You can find her at the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, as well as at her website, heatherzeiger.com. Um, Heather, we had a lot of robust questions about um, being, you know, pro-life from conce conception and natural death. Maybe there are some who, you know, they're like, should we intervene? There's lots of really huge ethical questions in all of this. And obviously, if it's your kid, you think the answer is yes. So, um, uh, yeah, all kinds of challenging conversations related to gene um, gene therapy. Um, so let's talk about something that kills a lot of people. Let's talk about malaria. Uh, takes the lives of half a million people every year around the world. Um, genetically modifying mosquitoes actually seems like a good idea. What's going on here? Yeah, so this is really interesting. You, 
So with just a little background, malaria is caused by a mosquito that's infected by a parasite. And with any kind of mosquito-borne illness, usually those illnesses are specific to certain species or certain genuses of mosquitoes. So West Nile or dengue or malaria, uh, there are certain um, genus or species of mosquitoes that carry these parasites. So it's not all mosquitoes or or viruses, parasites or viruses. It's, it's certain mosquitoes. So the idea some is like, well, all mosquitoes are bad, but some mosquitoes are badder than others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So for those of us that live in a hot climate where we deal with mosquitoes every summer, yes, all mosquitoes are bad. Um, Some of them are better. Uh, So the idea is that can, uh, can we genetically modify the species of mosquito that carries the malaria, uh, the malaria parasite so that it doesn't get infected? So that is, that is a question that scientists are trying to answer and they can do this in the lab. So they can basically genetically modify this species of mosquito so that it is immune to getting infected from the malaria parasite. That's great and all, but we need to talk about the real world, right? So what they want to do is then release these mosquitoes to, and they want to test this on an island nation in Africa. So if you keep it to an mm-hmm. island, then maybe it won't spread, which kind of reminds me of Jurassic Park, but that's okay. Uh, so they want to take it to an island nation or island country in Africa let these genetically modified mosquitoes loose, let them breed with the wild population, and hopefully, and remember, mosquitoes, they breed very quickly. So generationally, this this can happen very quickly, that it then spreads throughout the population and you are have immunity against uh, mosquitoes getting infected by malaria, and therefore people won't get infected by malaria. That's the theory. Is there any, um, is there, I mean, maybe it's just because other animals and fish eat them but is there is there anything good about the mosquito and i the reason i ask this is why wouldn't we if we can which obviously we can why wouldn't we just make the male mosquitoes sterile so that they can't reproduce i mean there must be some reason that it's good to have mosquitoes i'm just not aware of what it is yeah so there and there have been experiments so this was something they did in in a area of brazil where they sterilized the male mosquito uh or i'm sorry they genetically modified the male mosquito they're sterile and so the idea is that that population could die off um i don't know how sustainable that is here's the big question and this is a question with ecology is there are a lot of unknowns like what are the benefits of a mosquito in an ecological system. You know, personally, I, I think about this and I'm like, what in the world is, is a mosquito useful for? Um, having said that, any kind of flying insect is going to have some sort of um, effect on the environment because it's taking with it whatever is attached. You know, we think about I, bees are one that I think about more so where they can like carry with them pollen and that kind of thing. Mosquitoes have some sort of interaction with the environment. We know this. What exactly would be the response, the ecological cost to eliminating a particular species? Uh, we don't know. In the case of genetically modifying a species so that it does not, uh, so it's immune to malaria, we don't know if the malaria parasite would then adapt 
so that it could then infect this mosquito species or a different mosquito species. And we don't know if that adaptation is going to be more deadly or if that adaptation, how that will work. Because we know the parasite already adapts to the, to the therapies that we have. So that's the big problem is can we anticipate the consequences both to human beings and to the environment? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, interesting questions um, being asked on the text line. So thank you. Keep those coming. I will engage further with you on those. Um, Heather, we got to say goodbye. Thank you so very much for your input and contribution to the conversation today. Um, next up, we are going to have a conversation with um, the regional director of Karen uh, Haas. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to work on pronouncing it correctly here. <clears throat> Karen Haesed. And Karen Haesed is a uh, Friends of Israel um, effort. And so we're going to talk with um, Shmulek Fried uh, from Karen Haesed next. He is in Israel. So it's the middle of the afternoon there. We're going to get an update uh, what is happening on the ground um, and also some thoughts on um, how we as Friends of Israel can, um, can help. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, uh, Shmulek Fried. He's the regional director of Karen Haesed um, in Israel. Shmulek, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Shalom from Israel. Uh, I receive that. I receive that piece. Thank you so very much. Um, it is the afternoon of what um, I am calling uh, the fifth day. Many people are just waking up in the United States, um, and so I am interested to know um, what is uh, what is the latest, what is happening. Maybe you could give us a status report. Yes. Before I give a status report, I also I want to use this platform and to say thank you to all of you mm. for praying for Israel, for standing with Israel. This is a critical time, difficult time for us, uh, and we need. We need your prayer. Um, the well, situation... Could we just could we could we start there? Could we start there? Would that be okay with you? Yeah. Could I could I pray for you? And okay, um, God of Abraham, oh, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. We know that um, our grief does not begin to approximate your own, O oh God. Um, you are the God of Shmulek and. Um, his family, his neighbors, his friends, his country. We grieve with them. Oh God, stretch out your hand. Bring physical healing to those whose bodies are wounded. Bring solace to those whose loved ones are dead. Bring courage to those who now stand on the front lines. Bring all the resources necessary for the accomplishing of your will in this hour of war. Holy God, provide a hedge of protection against further assault. And even now, as bombs are bursting in air, protect the innocents on the ground. We acknowledge that your prophets have told us what to expect. 
And yet we admit we find ourselves caught off guard by the schemes of the enemy. And so awaken us, O God, hear the cry of your people this day, and show us how to stand. Amen. Amen. Um, again, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Shmulek uh, Fried is here. The organization that he serves in Israel is called Karen Ha'esed. You may have never heard of it, but if you are a friend of Israel, it may well be the vehicle through which um, your financial support actually gets to real everyday Israelis. So, um, Shmulek, I want you to have an opportunity to talk about um, um, your own personal experience. I think that giving people a sense of um, where we are on this fifth day um, as a status report would be helpful. Yes. Okay. The situation right now in Israel is very critical, very difficult. Israel is under attack, both from our southern border and from our northern borders. We are in a war, and this is a war between evil and good. This is a war between people who believe in the God of Israel and people who curse the God of Israel. In the morning of uh, Saturday morning, as we are doing our Shabbat, and as we are celebrating the Feast of Simchat Torah, 2,000 terrorists went into the villages of Israel and started to massacre, kill innocent people, anyone they saw on their way. They killed them, women, babies, children, elderly, anyone that was on their way. After they killed the people on the street, they started to enter into the houses and killed family by family. All family, nobody, nobody left from some of the family. And family that were not willing to open the door, they broke the door. Some family that were hiding into the bomb shelter, they started to burn the house until they jumped from the windows and shut them and, and, and killed them. They have kidnapped, Israel believe, around 200 people into Gaza. Most of the people that they have kidnapped are civilians. Mother holding her two children. They smuggle her into the tunnel that came out in the village and took, took her to Gaza. Holocaust survivor, 85 years old, they took her to Gaza. These are the people that we are dealing with. Today, the world is starting to realize who is Hamas. What a what a, 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 dis, a disgrace enemy we are fighting for. And they have managed to surprise us, no doubt. And there is no doubt that our intelligence had a failure over here. And we are taking our pieces one by one, and we are we know that we are building ourselves again. And we're going to be even stronger than we were with that we were ever being, because we are fighting on the on the country, on the land that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob gave us. Nobody can take it out. Nobody can take it from us. This is the land that was promised. It is internal promise. Promise. 
We are not going to go anywhere. Any enemy in the history that tried to destroy Israel was coarse and disappear. And this is exactly what Israel is going to do right now. It is a tragedy for the Jewish people. It is a tragedy that, that didn't happen to us since the Holocaust. You know, the people of Israel are only now starting to hear the story and understand what happened to us. We are finding people, babies, that the Hamas took off their head and killed them. So Karen Ayasod, our organization, is in the front line. Who is Karen Ayasod? We are the official fundraising arm of the state of Israel. And we are raising funds right now to answer all the great needs that we have during this war. And there are many. So if you want to ask, for example, what are we doing? We are evacuating people from the south and bringing them into a safe place in Israel. We took them out of the south. There are rockets falling down every couple of minutes over there. They cannot stay there. So we took them from those places and we are providing for them in a hotel, transportation, everything that they need, including therapeutic and psychologist treatment for, for, chi- for, the, for, the, for the children. At the same time, we are evacuating also new immigrants, new immigrants that we, that our organization brought to Israel from all over the world. New immigrants that just a few months ago landed in Israel into this war. We are supporting the victims of terror, those who lost their dear one, all the injured people in the hospitals. We are giving them a first grant support and we will continue to give more afterwards. We are raising funds for bomb shelters. We are raising food for elderly. The elderly people who live in in the south of Israel, they don't go out of their house. They cannot get medication or food. And most of the grocery are closed. We're raising funds and we are going there in person, our organization, to bring them the food. So I'm using this opportunity to ask for your help. It is a time of crisis. It is a time of an emergency. It's a time that we are being attacked. Terrorists are trying to steal to enter into Israel. They're coming out from tunnels. They're trying to come from the air. Israel is attacking them, and we are not going to give up on this country that God gave us. So please, keep your prayer going for us. There are millions of Christians around the world, and if millions of people are praying, that gives us the strength to continue, and we will win. If you want the direct link um, for uh, Karen Asad, uh, which is the this support organization that is the main, uh, the primary, the 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 official fundraising arm for the state of Israel. So you can hear um, Shmulek talk about the things that um, they are already doing for the victims of the attack by Hamas, um, and this is going to be an ongoing need. I am more than happy to send you the direct link if you just, you know, shoot me a text message. You guys know the number, 877-933-2484. Uh, what you are looking for online, if you are, uh, you know, Googling, Karen is K-E-R-E-N. I, I said is H-A-Y. 
E-S-O-D. So I recognize that that might be hard for you to remember um, or find. And so I'm more than happy to send you the direct link. Just text me 877-933-2484. This particular campaign is um, Swords of Iron, but it won't be hard to find because it's the pop-up initially when you arrive at the site. But um, uh, uh, Shmulek, it would be it would be helpful. Um, I, although I know it's a difficult question for me to ask. And so um, I'm going to ask the question and then I'm going to, um, we're going to take a 90 second break um, for you to think about how and whether or not you want to answer me. Um, stories are really helpful. It's really helpful for people to understand. And I know that the stories are also very, very difficult to tell. Um, but if you could tell us a story when we come back, um, maybe about one family in one kibbutz, uh, one person in one place who you um, are aware of, um, that putting one face on the thousands um, is helpful. So when we come back, um, let's uh, let's yeah. see if we can have that conversation. Uh, Shmulek Fried is here, um, and thank you for those of you texting in right now. I'm more than happy to send you the direct link. Link, uh, you know, the our number here is 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation um, with, uh, I hope, one we can uh, call a new friend, Shmulek Fried. Um, he is connecting us uh, as friends of Israel with ways that we can directly support the state of Israel in their efforts to care for those directly affected um, by the attack um, of, of Hamas. And these are going to be ongoing needs. And so thank you for all of those of you who are texting in for the direct link to uh, Karen Haesed. Uh, and I am more than happy to continue sending out um, that link. So again, just text us at 877-933-2484. I'm responding as fast as I can. Dozens of you have texted in, so it's going to take me um, a moment um, to respond. So thank you so much. Shmulek, um, personal, first of all, again, thank you so much for being with us today. It is a gift to uh, to speak with you um, and many, many people who have texted in uh, have said, um, please assure him of our prayers and our solidarity, our concern, um, our, our desire to help. And so thank you for being here. People do want to help. Um, tell us a story. There are so many stories, and not all of them, I'm sure that's we that it's possible to share over here, but I'll give you a story from yesterday. Yesterday I went to the Barzilai Hospital based in located in Ashkelon, if you know. It's a big city mm-hmm. in the south of Israel. Many of the casualties are coming are coming to this hospital. 
So I went to this hospital because Karen, I saw that our organization is supporting the hospital at this time and giving support for every individual, every victims uh, of terror. When I was in the hospital, suddenly there was a woman over there that she was starting to cry and cry and yelling. I hugged her and she started to tell me the story of what happened. She lived in, in, in a kibbutz Netiva Asara, which is about just a few kilometers uh, on the Gaza border. The terrorists came into her house and they knock on the door, but they brought someone with them, an Israeli that they kept hostage, and asked him, asked him in Hebrew to tell her to open the door. So when she saw him and she heard Hebrew, she opened the door. They killed immediately the hostage and broke into the house. In the house, there was a mother, father, and three, and three kids. They killed the father immediately. They killed one of the, child, one of the children and started to beat the other two little, little children. Beat them so badly. And then the, the mother was crying. She was yelling. And they told her, you know, we're not going to kill you mm. because we want you to suffer. And they left. They kept the mother. I saw the two kids in the hospital in bed, one next to each, to each other in a very bad condition. Thank God they're alive and they will, they will, they will survive. And the mother was crying and she said, how will I continue? What will I do? I don't know. I lost a husband. I lost a child. How, how will I continue? And it was very difficult. We didn't know what to tell her. So that's the situation. This is the situation that we are facing right now in Israel. We are fighting against animal with people who came to murder anyone that they can. No mercy. They don't care about anything. They can, they are, whether it's children, whether it's a women, they are willing to kill anyone that stands in their way. And the mother also told me that they were screaming all the time, Itbach el Yahud, slot the Jewish people. And unfortunately, that's what they did. They slaughtered babies, women, men, anyone that was there. So the stories are horrible, are very difficult to hear. And you know, when the whole things happen in Shabbat, they reported that we have 40 dead people at the beginning. And we were all shocked in Israel. 40 dead people? How can it be? Today, we are counting already 1,200 dead people in Israel and 3,000 injured and 200 and probably more kidnapped people in Gaza. This is a tragedy. This is an emergency. We need prayer and we need financial support. This is a crisis. Our army called up for half a million people for reserved already. Hezbollah from our northern border 
is shooting from time to time rocket, making sure that our army is split between north and south. So not all of them are being focused on the south. And they already came from the terrorists who came from, from the north and killed our, some of our soldiers. Look, it is a very difficult time. You cannot see my face right now. I'm devastated. I'm broken. I'm very, very angry and very, very sad. But at the same time, I'm telling you as people of faith, and I am a religious man, we are going to win, and I have no doubt about it. We are going to destroy Hamas. We are going to punish anyone who hurt the Jewish people. And it says in Genesis, and probably Hamas didn't read it before he opened the war. It says, I will bless those who bless thee. And it continues, it says, I will curse those who curse thee. And this is what is going to happen. Um, Shmulek, we know that uh, our Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, who, um, uh, like you, is Jewish, he is headed your way. Um, he he should be uh, arriving um, and visiting with a you know just a I know it's a a trip of uh, a show of support and solidarity. Um, the uh, the United States um, Navy is uh, streaming your direction in the Mediterranean. Um, our prayers are being uplifted up continually, um, and I can speak uh, on on behalf of those at least who are texting in for the link. Um, I don't know when we've had such a response um, from our listeners. Um, so people want to help. Um, they want to offer um, not just their prayers, uh, but uh, but along with their prayers, their financial support. And so um, please, please know personally um, that we care. Um, we're so grateful for your willingness to share with us today. We're grateful for the work that you're doing every single day. Um and I can't imagine how difficult it is for you, for the members of your family, for your neighbors, for your coworkers. Um, so at any point that that we can be of um, encouragement to you, I hope that you will um, that you will let us know. We, we do stand ready um, and uh, and we stand with you. Yes, thank you so much. Mm, it absolutely. means it means the world for us. I really want I want you to know. That's your, we believe in your prayer. We believe that this is how we're going to win. Mm-hmm. I, I see the Christian people as the watchmen, as it says in Isaiah, for the Jewish people. And I believe that your prayer is protecting our soldiers that are fighting right now. Mm-hmm. We are, I want you to know that we all heard um, um, Biden's speech yesterday and the support that we received from the United States it's it's so important for us. It's encouraging us. This is this is a really it's a war, and we need and we need the support of our best friend, United States, and we feel that we get it. So thank you very much for everything that you are doing for the people of Israel. And like it says in Genesis, you will be blessed for everything that you are doing for the Jewish people. You are the font of blessing, and uh, and we do know that. So um, so thank you. Um, that is Shmulek Fried. He is the regional director of Corinne Hayased. Uh, if you want the direct links, I am sending them out now, 877-933-2484. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. The, world, um, the world's eyes are on Israel. Let our prayers um, be rising 
to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, the the uh, we are engrafted into this vine, um, and we are um, standing with Israel, even um, even as they are seeking to make the stand of their lives. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.